You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And on this week's show, we have none other than Mark Mulholland, former junior Irish international. And now, I mean, it's hard to describe exactly what he does. Uh, he's a jack of all trades, got his finger in many pies. But the main reason I always get him on the show was he was the executive producer and one of the main people largely responsible for the Basketball Hall of Fame Belfast Classic that happened in 2017 and 18, him and Gareth Maguire. Now, I kind of mentioned in the interview, but... I can't understate just how much of a big time event this was and the level they they were operating at. Um, It's not like anything seen uh, on these shores apart from when the NBA comes to town, really. Uh, So I really wanted to get him in to kind of dissect it, talk about the behind the scenes stuff, how it all happened, what the processes were. Um, And so I feel like there's a lot of uh, value in this conversation. Not only that, of course, you know, he is based in, in Belfast. I think we, we regularly forget that Northern Ireland uh, players are, respo- uh, are available uh, to represent a Great Britain national team. So kind of talking about the politics of that, I show my own ignorance, uh, referring to England, Scotland, Wales as the mainland. Um, never doing that again. But yeah, you, you know, you learn these things by having these conversations. But yeah, it was super interesting. Um, aside from the the the, the Belfast classic, uh, he's also, his background is in media and film. He released a documentary, House of Hopler, about legendary shooting coach Dave Hopler in 2019. So we talk a little bit about documentaries. And then finally, the FIBA timeout program, uh, which he is on, uh, which is kind of the transition from for players into into retirement, sort of the next phase. So it was, yeah, a ton of real interesting things uh, to talk about. Mark has been a trusted advisor for me over the years, always gives me really good advice. Um, and so, I, yeah, I really want to pick his brain uh, in the open for the rest of you to hear and, and hopefully uh, learn from. As always, before we get into the show, please take two seconds to check out our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash hwo. P-S-F-I-X, patreon.com forward slash hoopfix. If you've been thinking about it, 2021, a new year, new start, maybe now is the time. Uh, there you can start to give us a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you'd like to help us do the work that, do, that we're doing. If you listen to the show every single week, if you get value from it, if you like the content that we're putting out on Hoopfix every single day, uh, please consider uh, donating to us uh, at patreon.com forward slash hoopfix. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave a comment below. Let me know what you think about what Mark had to say. Uh, reach out to me on every single social media platform at Hoopsfix. Or if you want some private uh, interaction, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com. Anyway, that is enough from me. Here is this week's show with Mark Mulholland. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Mr. Netter. Really appreciate it. No problem. We've, we've been trying to do this for, for a long time. Uh, so much things to talk about, uh, of course. Belfast Classic being the most notable one, uh, still to this day being one of the most impressive events that I've attended um, in the UK. We'll, we'll get into all of that, but before we do, uh, of course, you being in in Belfast, being Northern Ireland, um, I think it's good for context for people to kind of give sort of some background on the situation there and, and what's been going on. Just just starting, I guess, with with COVID and how how that's impacted things. Um, what's going on with basketball uh, and what the reality is of of, of what's happening. Yeah, I suppose like everybody, we've been massively impacted. Like you know what, you know it's it's you know we're, we're obviously we're in a global pandemic here, you know, and I think but I think for for us, um, you know, the, where we are positioned in basketball in Northern Ireland, obviously we sit under Basketball Ireland, but we are in Northern Ireland, so therefore it's quite difficult. We had we had to create our own return to play kind of framework that sat kind of between Basketball Ireland and actually 
uh, Basketball England. So like I, I have to give a shout out to uh, Peter uh, Griffith, who for, for me was like great guy in regards to uh, helping us at that time, you know, to understand the, I suppose, the legalities and, the, you know, they have a much bigger setup within, you know, Basketball England, obviously, as you know, whereas Basketball Northern Ireland is essentially, we have one um, full-time staff member who really works 22 hours a week in coaching development. And then in Basketball Northern Ireland, we have a really dedicated, like, group of uh, board members who thankfully are all very experienced in what they do. So we're, we're kind of trying to push things forward as much as we can. But as you kind of are aware, basketball is completely stopped. And for us, I suppose the, the the that's the real sad thing is that you know uh, even though we you know you'd put in all of the mitigation and you know we've talked about things like this before where you put in all of this mitigation and then you kind of you can't you can't go any further you know once the government says it's time to shut down it's time to shut down but you know I suppose the seriousness of it is is that people are you know losing their lives and we have to remember that it's a massive massive thing here like but for basketball i suppose our 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 hope is is that we've got a, a strategy to build everything back and I, I suppose 3b3 FIBA 3b3 is a is a, a 3x3 is a big part of that and how we want the trading engaged um, clubs to develop their 3b3 internally um, whenever we're allowed to get back to contact basketball and then essentially we're going to you know I, I imagine with the time frame and the way we're looking It'll probably be summer before basketball really gets the the kick off again. Um, the National League in in Basketball Ireland are are putting a, they've actually set a time where they're trying to get a, you know up around uh, the St Patrick's Day kind of elements where they can get things back up and running again. However, you know the way things are panning out, you know it doesn't look too positive. It, it, you know it, you know it's the situation that we're in, and obviously the other side to it is is that. As you know from being over at the uh, at the basketball Fame Belfast Classic, the weather here doesn't really add to anything. Um, it's normally just constantly raining, um, so therefore, kind of, it's tough with the outside stuff. You know, it's I think a lot of sports, whenever you know, you see in the return to play setups where they'll say like, you know, we, you can go outside, you can play, you can do different things. With the likes of basketball and netball and stuff like that, you know, it really is a, an indoor sport and a, and a team sport that way. So it becomes really difficult for you to, 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 to get used to that. However, it's that change of mindset with the 3v3 that kind of helps trigger that, oh, yeah, we can play outdoor. Um, and then I suppose if you're going to play outdoor, you need facilities. And unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have lots of facilities. And that's something that the board of basketball in Northern Ireland and myself uh, have been working on and, and, and obviously like speaking to Peter as well about they've done basketball and they've done a great job with Project Swish and I think that's something that you know we're trying to find and identify courts outside courts that need refurbished you know outside or within Northern Ireland and all of the different wee kind of nooks and crannies and um, you know, one minute you'd be driving down a road and next thing there's this tiny wee village and there's a park and there's a basketball net in it and you're kind of like going you know, we we don't know that that's there. You know, and it's it's there. There's been a lot of, I would say it's strange. Like, COVID has kind of brought this like a natural like audit that everybody has to do, and we're starting to find really good positive things that you know we can address and get a bit of like I suppose basketball development done in the early stages of, of our our new strategy that we're trying to take forward. You know, so hopefully that answers that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It, it, it sort of comes to the question about 
and I didn't even fully understand this, but how, how it actually, how basketball Northern Ireland works under the jurisdiction of basketball Ireland. And then, of course, you have the British Basketball Federation, which essentially, you know, is a, I mean, it's a skeleton organisation at the moment. There's not, it doesn't really have a lot of staff that work under it. So it's, it kind of feels like, a, yeah, on some level, it's in a bit of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, yeah. How does it work in terms of the synergy between between all of them and like what the strategy is moving forward of, of, of you know, whether it's player selection and all that kind of stuff? Because essentially, it is correct that players from Northern Ireland can represent Great Britain national teams, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. But essentially, I suppose the, 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 the big thing about it is is that the, the first thing that I always find in anything that I'm doing, it's always about like communication and it's, it's, it's about trying to work work within the frameworks that are that are there in general and like a great thing that's happened recently um we are we are working towards um, the commonwealth uh so it's a, it's a really good example actually to talk about where um we we worked with fiba in basketball northern ireland and basketball ireland and we you know essentially it was basketball ireland or the they are the uh, the delegate they they delegate authority to basketball Northern Ireland to then be able to play within um, the 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 construct of the Commonwealth Games so, so to speak and one of the things around that is you know you're you're I remember years ago whenever I was a, a you know a younger player um, I was actually approached to, to to consider whether or not I wanted to to play with the GB setup or or, or try to you know to essentially go over and. Uh, there was a, uh, I suppose, a number of you know scouts that were coming back and forth, but there was also like recruitment, you know, elements that were happening at the time. And a few players, likes of guy Mark Fulton and Adrian Fulton's younger brother, um, they actually, they were actually like, you know, this is this is good opportunity because you're playing against the, you know, it's it's not so much even the fact of the caliber of players, it's also like playing against different players because the the island of Ireland is quite small. Yes, it's big, but it's small when it comes to like a basketball community. And you, when you're playing against the same competition all the time, you know you're always trying to build, obviously. But it's like trying to really get more competition. And I suppose, like I'm talking about, whenever it was harder to travel to the states, you know, back you know twenty odd years ago. Um, but but essentially now you're in this place where um, we can jump across and join in. A lot, a lot of players actually from Ireland have went to like the likes of the academy structures within um, GB, which is great. And even like you know, I would say we'll probably start to see a bit of an influx in players starting to go to the, the likes of the BBL and stuff as well, where the standards are getting so much higher. Players are going over to the states and playing, and then going in that direction. But I suppose from that. From that point of view, it's very much a case of, uh, in a way, it's like a personal preference, you know, for if you wanted to play for the likes of GB and, and Basketball Ireland. I just know, I suppose, that the, the reality is, is that, you know, when you live on the island of Ireland and, and you know, like you're asked to play for your country, you know, it's it's very much a case of, you know, you do anything for, you know, a lot of, a lot of people on the island, especially in the basketball community, you know, it's a case of, that you know they want to play for Ireland. That's the yeah. way they would go. Um, the the, so the players team... are allowed to make that choice themselves, whether or not they represent Ireland or Northern Ireland. Players from Northern Ireland are allowed to choose whether or not they represent Ireland or Great Britain. Yeah, yeah, and it, uh, but essentially it would come down to as well, like a, a you know a, a you know your your birthright and stuff like that, similar to the soccer setup. You know, like if you want if you if you carry a, a UK passport or a, an Irish passport or whatever, it's you know it's it's more a, a personal preference, I think, more than anything. I think what's interesting about Sam and and you, I mean you talk about this all the time, and I actually chatted to Peter about it there a while ago, is that you know 
people need to really kind of start looking into Ireland, uh, you know, for the standard of the players has gone up just so much. And and, and I think it's 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 thanks to a number of different things. You know, Basketball Ireland have done a great job, at, you know, in, in essentially marketing the, 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 the leagues. Um, also, the fact of the, as you mentioned, the, you know, the Basketball Hall of Fame Belfast Classic is really, in my opinion, it's, it's lifted and, and raised the bar. It's give people, one of our soft targets was to give people an aspiration to be a, a, an NCAA Division One player. And now all of a sudden, you know, you see people and they're, they're so much more engaged in the sport and, and they're really, you know, they're taking it so much so much more seriously. Um, and, that, and that's across, like, you know, the, the primary school system right through into the secondary school and stuff like that, you know. So it's definitely... It's definitely something that I think is is going to progress, you know, quite well, and there'll probably be a lot more attention going between. Like, I think a, a, a strong thing that we did in Northern Ireland was there's a, a fantastic um, lady, uh, uh, Lillian, who, who who has run the. She's the director of Team NI, and essentially, Team NI is like is like a I suppose a, a way in which we can develop our academy structure. Um, as as a way of you know getting them, we we take those young people, males, females from under the age of under sixteen and under eighteen, and they would go and play against the likes of Wales and and and, and go on in the play within academies in, in England, also fly to Spain and play in tournaments and stuff like that. So there's a real kind of appetite for. I suppose developing that, um, you know that, you know, in Northern Ireland we talk about identity a lot, you know, like and and its culture and things like that. And I think it's like people are trying to, I suppose, be be comfortable with who they are, as opposed to you know just saying I, I I'm. Uh, we talked about the box scenario, you know, like it's very easy to put people in a box, and it's very complicated here. And always has been in Northern Ireland. Um, we're just a complicated group of, 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 of human beings in general. But at, at the heart of it, you know, there's there's a massive, massively passionate um, community of basketball people. And what we, I suppose what we lack in numbers, we, we you know, it, it grows in the in the quality of those people who are so passionate in helping, helping grow the sport, um, not just on the island of Ireland, but, you know, in Northern Ireland and, and really uplifting it and moving Northern Ireland forward. You know, you mentioned the word there, and, and one of the things that I definitely wanted to, to speak on was just the, uh, one of the big differences I feel between specifically basketball in England and, and, and basketball on the island, if we're talking about it as, as a whole, on in the island of Ireland. Um is, is, is the culture you know like really i feel like what england doesn't have is a strong basketball culture and when i look at basketball uh in ireland there is it feels like there is this massive sort of uh culture around basketball where there is a, a level of obviously there's the national pride thing which i think uh, is huge but also just uh the level of interest in it uh the passion in it the 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 community around it um it's just different. Why do you think that is, and what do you think has, has caused uh, and created that? Um, it's uh, do you know it's funny because basketball is like in in this country is like steeped in in history. You know it really is like there's so much. You know, for for me personally, like I grew up in a in a in a basketball family. And there is that kind of parochialism around it where, you know, like there, there's the, you know, back in the small, you know, back in the days, it was like small communities, but like 
that community was everything. You know, like that 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 basketball club. You know, the the people who were maybe playing on the Saturday night, they could have been your teachers during the week. You know, and there was this kind of like. Uh, thing I was very lucky like a lot of my uncles and my cousin you know like they were all playing and I was just always looking up to the people around you and I think like that that's the the essence of it all is that like when you talk about I'm so glad that you actually said that because the word feeling the feeling that you get so whenever you came to the classic what I actually everyone kind of asked me you know like what what did you do to to get it to have this atmosphere and on all of these things and, and then make it successful but the reality is is that me and Gareth Maguire you know we talked about the feeling of basketball so whenever we were growing up I used to me and Gareth actually had this meeting outside of um uh outside of Anderson's Town Ledger Centre where we're, we were working with a young person and we were waiting to see you know if that young person would turn up to have a meeting with us to, to discuss their future and blah 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 and essentially, um, while we're standing there, we we're talking about all of the good days within Anderson's Town Ledger Centre and the way in which everybody um, just like congregated there at the weekends. And they literally like, I suppose for me, I think that started probably because of during the troubles back then, it was like a safe place for you to go to. Your, your, your mom and dad knew where you were. There wasn't, you know, uh, you know, a kind of a, as big a concern because everybody in the community watched out for everybody. Uh, there's, it, there's a great saying about, you know, it, it, it takes a village to raise a child. You know, like that's basically like I, I, I grew up with like all of these people being like key stakeholders in your life and having a real impact on you, you know, as you were growing. And I think like. It, Whenever I would have met with, like, say, a, great, a really good friend of mine, he was the captain of our Irish team, Kieran Donaghy, who's gone on to do great things in GAA and basketball, and and he's now presenting on Sky and talking. But when I talk to him, and he's down in Kerry, like Kerry are exactly the same, you know, like the in in, in Tralee, the, the the you know all of the all of the the places they just like they live basketball like. You know that ball is life statement like that is them like that is the basketball community and it's like I think that's what's really you know being difficult I suppose during the pandemic as well you know it's like you, you miss your entire basketball family and and that includes the people that you're you're constantly competing against and you're trying to you're beating and you know it's it's all of those things and I have to admit like there was, uh, I'm sure you know Coach Chema, um, uh, who, like, whenever he's speaking, you kind of literally, you just listen. It's no, it's no surprise that the the, the women's TV team that you know was to, has been done so well, you know, because of the way he gets on in general. But I, I'm I'm a member of the the FIBA Timeout program, and uh, currently on that, and and Chema did this talk about passion. And he basically said, like, you know, it was the best thing that I've heard. He, he turned around and it's the way, it's also the way he says it, obviously. And I'm not going to try to, to, to mimic, I would love to do it, but, you know, I, you know, I just don't want anything to come back. <laughs> but he, he basically said, he's like, you know, all basketball people, we all have a passion for basketball. And he goes, but it's how you direct that passion that makes the difference. It's how you direct that and how you control that. And I just think that, Maybe it's an Irish thing or, you know, whatever it may be, but they're really just good at, at doing that and kind of, you know, 
taking care of each other and building the sport up. And like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, we have like everybody, we have our difficulties and there's a lot of difficulties specifically at the minute. But I think that um, the important thing is trying to really trying to find ways to work together, especially whenever a community and, and the basketball community is essentially so small compared to like, you know, that we have the GAA here, which English, you know, the, the UK does not have. But that takes a lot of your your players away as well. You know, like so uh, Gaelic football is a great kind of connector for the sport. You know, you have similar fundamentals, jumping after the ball and, you know, things like that. And the athleticism are around it. So I think like years ago, those two those two sports had a lot more synergy together and it really developed at a younger age. And then essentially we went through what was called the, the golden age of basketball on the island where the influx of Americans came in, the likes of the Dave Hoplas, the likes of, you know, there was so many amazing, the, the Westbrooks, so many amazing families that came over here and actually set roots and helped develop the game of basketball, you know, which was which was huge. So that kind of, I, I think that's a massive compliment. And I know it happens a lot even within, the, uh, within UK basketball is when... It doesn't matter if you're American, it doesn't matter where you come from, but if you come to play basketball in a country like and you're brought in for like say for example a year, and then all of a sudden you you just realize that this is your home and you stay there and you build a game of basketball your entire life. And you talk about like, you know, people who are sacrificing probably large amounts of money and professional jobs in, in, in other countries, but they actually just go themselves, you know, like I've I've fallen in love with this country, I've fallen in love with the people. I want to stay here and I want to build it. And that just, that's been happening for so long. And it's been, I suppose, things like that that are really key to um, to, to building the sport. And, and having, you know, as, as I said earlier, the local heroes that, you know, you looked up to. I was very lucky. I had my uncle. I had, you know, Gath won't like me saying it, but, you know, I looked up to, I looked up to him, you know, from a point of view of he's, he's much older. He was 50 this year, so he was. So, like, he, he was, he's much older than me. <laughs> but, uh, but if you look at what that man has done, both on the court and off the court for the sport of basketball and a number of other people, but specifically just talking about G like because because I work so closely with them on the classic and with the Sports Junior Life Foundation. It's a massive thing to have that and it's tough, like it's tough to have that positive energy all the time and keep kind of doing it. But you know, there's a few people that really find a way to to master that and and turn those positive energies into what Coach Chema says, like a directive positive action where you where you can develop the sport you know we've still a lot a lot of work to do a lot of work to do but it's going in a good direction i think you know yeah i mean everything building anything like that it starts with culture right and i feel like that is the the foundation of, of definitely what uh what you you have do you feel like young players in northern ireland feel connected to to england wales you know like the sort of the mainland or do you feel uh like it's more for, for them more Ireland focused, you know, when they talk about the players they look up to or the top players of their age group, are they looking? Are they looking to the UK? Uh, to, to I say the UK like it's a separate thing. It's obviously like you know, are they looking to the mainland, so to speak, uh, of, of the top players of their age group, or do you think they're they're instead looking at the players that are more local to them? Well, firstly, I think like the mainland is quite a controversial kind of <laughs> statement. <laughs> so it is, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I'll try, I'll try to kind of address that in the in in the right way. I don't, if I'm totally honest with you, I don't think they really look in that direction at all. Mm -hmm. I think that, 
I think that our, the island of Ireland for basketball is the island of Ireland. You know, like that's the way they see it. I think that um, I suppose uh, from a from a point of view of they look west towards the states, as in like like everybody in 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 Scotland, England, and Wales. Uh, you know, they look in that direction. And they go like, I want to be in the NCAA. I want to be Div three, Div two, Div one. You know, I want to try to make it. And and I think like that that's what they really look up to more than anything. Um, I think what's really important, but is that, and this is one of the things that actually have you know over the past number of years I've learned a lot more about is looking into Europe and looking into all of the other places as well that you know like there is so many opportunities we've had a, a great influx um in this country who which have uh, helped raise the game you know um in regards to Lithuanian uh, commu- part of the community the the Polish community coming in and, and helping develop the game from a from a competition standpoint and playing but even there's there's great great people like there's a fantastic fellow Rolandus Burkus who we are extremely lucky to have in this country, who's just all about you know high energy basketball um you know bring it, bringing basketball to to his community, but I suppose that's the thing. I mean, it's about identifying like you know that there is other directions for people to go into, and there is there is opportunity out there, um, and I think you know like everybody in basketball people just connect basketball with america you know like it's like this kind of thought process and don't get me wrong like i've worked very closely with a number of you know commissioners and and leagues and schools within the ncaa and it's an unbelievable um opportunity for players but you know it's also not the only opportunity you know there is there is other other ways to string a cat and i suppose like the likes of look at dodgicks and all is, is is showing that you know where you can, you know, you could go to like the likes of a, a Real Madrid or something like that. You know, if you're if you're a real player, like you know, you could really, you know, get your teeth in. But I I also think people should really start looking at in both sides. You know, like basketball in in England, Wales, Scotland towards here. You know, and and us towards there because there's so much you can like. As I said, Peter Griffith, like even learning off him, Kiernature, like. I love I, I love Kiernature. I just think I just think he's an unbelievable guy. He he deserves all the accolades that he gets in regards. To, I know he's got his he recently got his MBA and stuff like that. But what I love about whenever whenever I would be talking to him, he's similar to me and you, like in the sense of he just has this constant kind of thought of how can we progress basketball in the right way? And you know, and it's like there's everything is an opportunity and it's like how can we how can we make this you know a better one you know and i suppose he has that understanding as well coming from scotland in the into yeah. the gb team and i think that makes it a, you know a, a good way to it helps that he's obviously a fantastic basketball player you know and he's you know he's a great left hand i think he's still got a great left hand like to be fair like he's a great right hand to be fair <laughs> yeah no for sure so so Let's just let's let's get on to the the Belfast Classic, um, and I think it's one of those things that I can't understate how impressive that whole thing was, and the level uh, the level that you guys were operating at is just well, it's not seen uh, in the UK really outside of when the NBA comes to town. I think that's that's fair to say, and you know, like 
you know, me come. Obviously, you were very good to me. Uh, allowed me to come over and and have a great experience for um, the course of uh, three to four days or uh, whatever it was. And it was amazing for me. Not not only just from the event standpoint, but also you know getting to go to a Belfast Star game and kind of seeing the the on the ground grassroots like yeah. stuff that's happening within the community, just to give my own understanding of basketball um, a boost. But I, yeah. how when you talk about bringing something of that scale, that was the first. Uh, tournament NCAA tournament to happen in Europe um when you talk about the sort of the, the the first concept of that coming to mind how it was going to happen like what made you come up with the idea um and how it sort of came to be like what, what would you say about those sort of early sort of the ideation phase yeah well it's it's funny because I mentioned Gareth McGuire there earlier on and like you know Gareth's been in and out of America you know for a long time and essentially like his thought process you know early on like before before I came to, to, to work with with him in, in around 2012 Gareth excuse me it, it already kind of um began this what, what I would what I would call the kind of the framework of you know instilling this kind of idea of we could bring NCA college basketball to to Belfast, you know, and it was like it, it. I suppose like anything, it's like a piece of thread. It's like how you then start to tug on it. And what we found very early on, um, probably around like 2015, um, we had we had really established ourselves with the the Sport Changes Life Victory Scholar Program, where we were bringing over, you know, a lot of scholar athletes who had played in division one division two schools they would come over and they would study for a masters and they would work intensively within the communities across the island of ireland with our university partners and then they would they would play for basketball teams and what that created was like this like natural bridge between um the here and america the american universities and essentially as that kind of developed we worked very closely with um, an absolutely he's a brilliant guy. I think you got a chance to meet him, Rich Enzer, um, who's the commissioner of the the Mac League, and um, you know Gareth was chatting with Rich, and and there was all of these discussions. But essentially, it came down to we when we had the idea, it was like right, we can't do this, but we had to um, we had to change which the I suppose they're they're called the. Uh, the NCA like rules and regulations, so to speak, about a land like an international uh, event to happen, such as that. And essentially, you know, the way their bylaws are set up, that was like a big thing for us. In 2015, I went off and done a, a postgrad in law to, to really understand a lot of the the language that I was reading because it was like this is this is big, you know. And there was a, an amazing team of people that came together. To try to make this whole thing work, and I know that you know, like people that can probably see like myself and Gareth being like the, the the faces of that, but there was so many people that really, you know, came together like that village that I was saying about uh, to to make something happen, and I think like that was the that was the key to it was that when you get people to buy into something, like everyone everyone then starts to like really believe in the in the bigger project and. I suppose even simple things like you know um, there was a lot of trips, uh, a lot of trips. The like Gareth was back and forth. The states we were, you know, we were constantly on calls. We were constantly meeting with people. Um, ironically, I had a number of connections through whenever I was going back and forth to the states myself with um, 
a number of people I worked in the broadcasting industry early on. So I'd done things with like the likes of ESPN and a few of my contacts had actually developed and, and, and went into the likes of CBS and stuff. So all of a sudden, you know, you're able to like pick up the phone and that's whenever people, when people talk about networking, they don't realize like the real importance of networking and when that will actually come to like a, a really good fruition. So like you can meet someone when you're like 20 years old and like whenever you're 35, you know, if you stay in contact with that person, you know, like and, and develop that relationship, there's a real trust there and a real bond that kind of helps you get things over the line. And I suppose those are the things that, you know, uh, you know, as I said to you earlier on, I grew up watching people like Gareth and, and my uncles and how, how they networked. So I would have learned about that and learned from them. And obviously then when I was working more with Gareth, it was a case of, right, the Sport Changes Life Foundation really had this idea where it was actually not just about basketball, which I loved. It was about inspiring like a generation of people, not just to play basketball, but almost just to say, do you know what, guys? You can do anything that you want in life. You know, here's two guys from West Belfast who are really trying to push the boundaries of uh, of whenever uh, you know the thing I love about, the thing I love about working with Gareth to be honest with you is like if someone turns around and says you can't do that we just go no we can do it we we'll figure out how to do it and they're the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with people who say whenever they say no you can't do that you go no no we, we we'll figure out and and that's what we did you know like we worked very heavily um we had a great partnership with the basketball hall of fame as well which rich Enzer introduced us to and and greg pacino and um uh, and a lovely vice, pre vice president paul lambert and greg pacino as well and essentially like you know a relationship was kind of was was born out of that and in, in 2017 for the first event, which unfortunately you weren't able to attend because you had uh, something else, uh, I think. Um, I think we kind of align our dates close to like some of the GB stuff because if I remember you had the you had to fly in straight after like a, a GB game or something yeah, on yeah. Thursday night, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and sometimes that happens and, and, you know, you have to understand that, you know, basketball is, you know, it's that time of year. But for us, we were kind of looking at um, in 2017, it was like, right, we wanted to prove, it was like a proof of, proof that you could do this. And and, and I suppose that the big thing for us is, I think you can tell, like I'm really proud of where I come from and, you know, like I love Belfast and, and, and Gareth's the same. And, and essentially like by bringing in the likes of Tourism Northern Ireland and we had this idea of like, let's make this like a massive destination message as well. Let's make this like an advertisement for Northern Ireland, for Belfast, for Ireland. And like people like really, really were like astonished, you know, like with um, the end product, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be prouder of the team and the work that we've done. You know, we, what, what people don't realize is, is that whenever we had negotiated our, our CBS uh, sports broadcast deal, um, I was I was producing and directing the, the, the all of these pieces, like the, the, the story pieces that would fit in between all of the live shows that were going out. And we just had like, you know, it was around six hours of like, of basketball, Belfast, culture, Northern Ireland, Ireland, it was just, and if if you were, I got these lovely messages from a fantastic woman um, who's the president of the Sports Foundation, Sports Change Life Foundation, in in uh, Maeve Sherry, and she sent this lovely message after, just saying how she was so proud, sitting on her settee, watching all of this live in her in her house, 
she was able to see this NCAA college basketball. But it wasn't just that. It, it had the we had a great documentary called uh, the uh, NI Made for Sport, and it, it had all of our best like sports people from Rory McIlroy to Mary Peters to we had you know young young generations coming up, and you know the inspiration that they have. You know people who were going to play and, and and compete in the Commonwealth at the time and things like that. And I think like that was the key to really getting that that early stages was about getting that buy-in from from everybody. And then I suppose in twenty seventeen it was like it was like we, we kinda explained it as like a it was like a train that was constantly moving and it was going at serious pace before we had even started run. We had started the the completion of the actual event in 2017. We were getting ready for 2018, which was going to be an 18 tournament instead of the the 14. And it just like picked up the pace rapidly. Um, and and obviously like the key for us was the likes of like even even yourself, you know. You, you stayed in one of the lovely the the, uh, the hotels in uh, the Hastings Group. It was a, a new a new hotel that had opened up there. Who were a partner of ours, and essentially, like we wanted to give everybody the experience of actually seeing what this great city and this country is, and what what the people are about. Because I know for a fact that you know when you came back from it, yes, you were tired, but you were tired in a good way, as opposed to like going like that was an experience and and. You know what we kind of know is so important is it's it's about creating that um, the ripple pond effect where people will actually they'll remember us one for the amazing basketball that was played and the great competition, the entertainment was fantastic. It was it was just second to none that we were able to kind of bring together, and then like the crowd, the energy that was there was just it was going back to that word that you said earlier that feeling that me and Gareth talked about. And, and and I suppose the sad thing that I didn't mention early on, the the young fellow that we were waiting on, we were dealing with in sports changes life. We deal with a number of different elements with at risk and vulnerable young people, and that young person, um, you know, he was he was really struggling. And essentially, when we were there, me and Gareth waiting on this young person to come and talk to us, we were saying like, we have to try and do more for the young people in this country, and we really we really wanted to create something that when they went into the arena, that it was the feeling, you know, the butterflies in the stomach, the kind of like, wow. Like I like I used to get so like teary, like uh, when I talked about the court, even the court, like, like you've seen the court, like that court was, it's our pride and joy. It was like, you know, we designed it. I spent a long time with a fantastic woman, Michelle Perry, who really educated us in the NCA setup and understanding how we needed to, to meet the deliverables that were needed for that NCA standard. And even like I was saying, like the journey of the floor, which ironically has just arrived arrived back in the, the upper upper peninsula of Detroit to be to be remarked and stuff. Um, it, essentially, whenever we got that floor across, I was so nervous about as soon as I'd, I got the word that it had left the port in, in Detroit and that was coming to us. And essentially, like um, what's funny about that floor is, is that it, that's what creates like the smells, you know what I mean? The, the noise, those are really important things. Like when you talk about behavior and environmental psychology, about what somebody experiences for the first time 
And the feeling of our aim was to almost like take NCA March Madness and bring it and land it right in the SSA arena in Belfast. And for you to be able to do that, and for a kid to come in and smell the, you know, the popcorn, the bat, you know, the the floor, hear the squeaks of the new sneakers on the ground, and all of those things, it was just a, a, a really. I'm I'm so pleased that you said that it was, you know, a great event for you to be at. But mate, that 2017 was unbelievable. 2018 for me, just blew. I had I probably had more moments in 2018 where I was able to kind of step back a bit and actually appreciate what was really happening around me. And um, purely because I had the experience of 2017 and I knew how difficult, like people just do not understand the difficulties of, of running an event of that magnitude. And the pressure was just, I think me and Gareth ended up, uh, I don't know if you want me to say this, but we ended up like in a, in an embrace, like hugging each other at the very end of it in the sense of, but we were exhausted. It was like the level of exhaustion. Um, and, 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 and to be fair, that exhaustion came from the pressure because it was, it was more about meeting the deliverables, making sure we had, you know, it, it's one thing, it's the other thing that in life people struggle with is a lot of people say that they're going to do something, but it's like, it's one thing saying you're going to do something. It's another thing actually doing it and achieving like, we would be the types of people that would set a bar fairly high for ourselves and critique ourselves more than the other people would. So it was, I think that was the, that was the, the, the madness of it, of it all in general, you know. When we talk about sort of um, operating at that level, that scale, um, you know, the first, the first thing that, that, that comes to mind and probably the reason I would say that we don't see more events like that or, uh, things like that within British basketball in general is essentially money, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about the Belfast Classic, you're talking about operating with budgets of in the millions. Uh, but I'd be interested in kind of hear how you finance something like that when you when you when you're doing that ideation phase of like, okay, this is the lay of the land. You know, this is this is how many teams we're going to have. This is what we need. This is the, the cost of the arena. This is the cost of this. Yeah. And then you look at okay, this is how much it's going to cost us. Yeah. How are we going to come up with that money? Like, what is the process, and and how did you come up with the money? Like, what were the options? What were the revenue streams to actually allow you to to be able to run an event like that? Yeah, well, do you know what the irony is behind it is? And I'm really glad you asked that question. So we were we were about to run everything, and we we actually had our budget set uh, and ready from like the, a number of different multiple government agencies given funding in different areas. But then obviously we had to find. It's a balance of finding your, you know, your commercial sponsors, and obviously if your TV rights and all of those kind of elements that 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 all start to marry and bring this the, your entire budget together. But essentially, you start with your, you know, it sounds daft, but you start with a blank spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and you start to research as many of the different avenues as possible um, that you can find that funding from. But the irony behind it all was that, and I don't know how familiar with our Northern Irish politics was. We were sitting, myself and Gareth, and we were listening to the. We were working away, and we were listening to the news, and the the Irish, the Northern Irish government just stopped working. You know, they they basically they they stopped. They they had a, a, a probably it worked out as around a three year period, um, where the, the politics completely stopped essentially, as in Stormont stopped working from a point of view of 
um, they they kind of there was a, a number of issues that 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 led to this cultural a, a cultural breakdown in what we were trying to do, and all of the government support that we had had then kind of just disappeared like that, and me and Gareth were like kind of looking at each other in the office, and I'll never forget it. It was like it was a moment where we kind of went, you know, we need to, we really need to make this happen. And, you know, <laughs> how can we do it? And to, to be fair with the energy of, of, of him and, and, and we, we kind of drew a line in the stand, sand and we said, right, we've got to find, by hook or by crook, we'll find the, the, the million, the, the one, I think it was $1.4 million at that time that we were looking for. And we were like, we will, we will find it. So that that's when that pressure and that that hug that I'm talking about became like a reality of, you know, you also have these fantastic people, as I say, who buy into your project. You know, like the likes of, I had I had spoke with, um, I'm sure you know, like uh, Will Evans at SportServe and fantastic partner within what we were doing in regards to understood the 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 size of the project the magnitude of it and he knew he knew exactly what we were trying to achieve whenever i had spoken to him uh, and and will will say like we we've had hours and hours and hours of you know days or weeks of talking to each other to to try to achieve certain things negotiating great deals and buy-in for what we were trying to do and also trying to get people to understand that you know the essence of this came from the sport teams as life foundation so there was a great board of people who were so bought into we need to change the lives of as many young people as possible. And this is going to be a great element for us to be able to um, draw in all of our connections. And what people don't really think about boards and they don't realize is, is like the whole point of you being on a board essentially is to bring your network of whether it's like if you're with, involved in companies that could sponsor commercially and things like that. And it became very much like that. Where like that's why I think is like um, I, I I have a tradition that I do on the on the actual basketball floor, and basically what it is is that um, uh, on the on on each panel uh, at the at the bottom when we're filling in the last panel or the second last panel etc we would flip that over and we would write everybody's names on it that has contributed to the the event and and you know like and and their actual names not their company names and stuff like that but you know sam letters that you know and and really make it make sure and i, I suppose the first time well well was there i got quite emotional about it because it was like there's you know there's people who weren't able to be there who would have loved to have been there to see what we created and essentially like the, you know it's it's actually because of those people in Spania when you were younger that allows you to be able to kind of create you know where we are now, and essentially that like that's the that's the big thing when it comes to the the financing of something like that is people buy into people buy into people that's what they buy into you know like people invest in people that's that's the key to it and when you have somebody who's uh, a, a group of people that are passionate but also professional and can deliver on what they're saying it becomes a bit easier. There is always a struggle. You know, there always is. Finances is the is the most difficult part of any, you know, finance in any event. Um, but also kind of the important thing around it is really trying to find that way and that happy medium where you can, uh, I suppose, you know, maximize your, what money that you have as well is really important. Um, I'm quite good at 
talking and negotiating good deals and stuff and getting people to buy in so i think that's an important thing i say i'm quite good it's it seems to work like whatever i chat to people most people like the likes of will just be like mark okay i'll do it for this you know it's you know it's 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 kind of the way it goes but there's no there's no magic kind of you know solution i think for like for for finance you know and something like that it really is a lot of hard work you know like was there a lot of rejections like was there a lot of conversations with various yeah we kissed a lot of frogs like you know and (laughs) it was like i think like the the the, you know you're always going to get them and that's the that's the other thing is like this like when we within the sports changes life foundation we run a program called the e-hoops and it's all about like you know working with at-risk young people vulnerable young people and teaching them things like you know resilience and and all of those elements and when we talk about like having i talk about the two p's and always do this when i'm coaching basketball or 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 doing anything it's like patience and persistence and it's like you have to have the patience to keep being persistent, do you know what I mean, in what you're doing. And essentially when that that kind of eventually evolves and, and rolls out, and like uh, the other side to it is, is that, you know, it's always good to be lucky as well, you know, and and um, one thing that I'll say about um, Big G, Gareth McGuire, is that he surrounds himself with that energy where it attracts like that tiny wee bit of luck that you need at the right time, and it's a spark. Um, but by goodness like do you do we work hard does he work hard yeah. you know we all work hard to bring in the, the the funds for it and and like that can be something as simple as believe it or not like you know we had great support from massive support from belfast city council huge support from um tourism northern ireland and tourism ireland um, that's a real interesting one in itself i'll just give you an example there so tourism northern ireland deals with their funding application is what deals with, like, say, international events and in in Northern Ireland. But Tourism Ireland deals with the advertising of the island of Ireland outside of Ireland. So, therefore, when it comes to, like, your broadcasting deals and things like that, it brings a different element to it. So, you have a lot of, a lot of, managing a lot of your key stakeholders. Like, I remember, I remember there was the first meeting that I held for it was like the committee of all of our key stakeholders and there was something like i would say maybe 15 to 16 people in the room who were all investors in the in the project and you know if you imagine what's difficult about that is is that everybody has their piece of the pie that they need to get a return for their investment and and that return can be something like you know advertising us in America and things like that and all of those. But you're working between all of those partners, and you're trying to really, I suppose, make sure that everybody feels inclusive about it. You know, and 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 again, I suppose, like when you when you look at what I talked about earlier, that's that it takes a village idea of bringing everyone together, making sure that everyone feels like we're doing this together as a group. And I suppose I was very lucky. It was, I, I really was lucky. It was my job to lead that, you know, and, and to bring that forward. And and thankfully, I had um, a fantastic supporting cast of people who who were just like totally bought into it as well. You know, like it was it was it was, uh, you know, I just feel very lucky. You know, that's that's where I, I you know, yeah. all of a sudden you're growing up and you, you've developed this skill set 
of all these different things. And we talk about this, you know, quite regularly where you don't really identify with like a normal job and you have all of these different skill sets, which all of a sudden make you like a prime candidate for doing a, a specific role. And, and, and that's where, you know, the, I suppose the beauty of that comes from. But, you know, I learned a lot in the process. I had great mentors throughout it. Um, as I mentioned, Michelle Perry was uh, unbelievable. Um, she's from Game Changer Consultancy in, in the States and works across, across the globe. Um, and essentially, like, the, the learnings that you have around people, like, they, they would have, you know, always remember, like, in America, there's a different financial model to this. You know, here in, in say, for example, China and Dubai or wherever it may be, there'll be financial models that will, you know, differ. And it's really about, like, you know, finding that way to find the sweet spot so that you can you can adapt uh, a wee bit. I have to say it was in 2018, although it's, it might sound a bit strange, we had an increase of teams. The budgets, the budgets kind of didn't increase as much as what you would have expected to, um, and that was because of the format of in America. We had uh, you had games that led into it from America, so you had almost had like two tournaments, one in the states and then one here. And then, like you know, the other side to that is is that when you have like fantastic partners like you know um, Arlingus who were helping us fly, you know, the the teams across back and forth and. And there was so much elements there that were so important um, for the, I suppose, the transatlantic um, journey as well. But you know, huge, huge investment from from people um, to really to make it a success. And that I think that's the biggest compliment is that, like, when other people kind of really believe in in the dream and they buy into it, not just financially, but like you know, emotionally and and physically, kind of. There was people on there's people on those two events that they worked day in and day out. Like, you know, there was there was times when we would leave notes on the in the office wall, like, you know, I would have left at like three thirty eight AM and it was like, you know, you know, people would then go in and they'd write something underneath, you know, and it, it was it was all to keep the keep the energy going and those those things aren't your normal nine to five jobs anyway. You know, it's uh, it's a passion project beyond belief. You know. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said about the persistence thing because uh, well, and patience, both both of them. I feel like when when we talk about the learnings from this, that other people can can take um, to their own events and, and things that they're trying to do, even on a smaller scale. You know, even if you're doing a, a small little community event in your in your local borough or whatever, which is only going to have a couple hundred people there, I don't think people really like. They almost feel like sponsors are going to come to them, and they don't realise that actually, you know, to raise the money to do the things that you want to do, you don't just oh, you pick out the oh Nike. I'll call Nike, see if they'll send me some stuff or whatever, and give me some money. It's like you have to go through the entire phone book, and you're making all the calls. You've got to put together your deck. You've got to make it clear about what the value is, what the return on investment is going to be, why they want to be involved, um, and yeah, you just got to grind it out. And I just, I, I think, like hearing you say that. For for an event of of that magnitude, that still you had to kiss a lot of frogs. You know there was a lot of uh, a failed attempt, so to speak. It's important for people to yeah. realise that it's not it's not a walk in the park. You know it's not something that just happens. It's something that people make happen. Listen, I think that's a key to to everything in, in life in general. Like I would use those two P's for everything. Um, you know, but the other side of it is is that you know you talked about like your decks and. You know, like the people that you, you know, you you have to recognize and you have to realize what is of worth to somebody. 
and you have to you know learn about those things you know like not every sponsor wants the same thing and that's another thing that you kind of everybody has their own individual um angle of where they want to go and and it's and it's you know what 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 i learned i suppose if i could give any kind of advice is is that um there is not one deck that fits all excuse me there's not one deck that fits all of the you know the the, the people that go out there it's great to have like say a framework within your deck that you can send out but then after that be be ready for you know could we take a piece of this and a piece of that and move that to there and 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 the trick is is for for anybody who's organizing those events and and you know like i i I started off doing like a lot, a lot of you know, you know, small scale events. Like that's you know what you you would you would be doing. But to me, like every one of those small scale events, I would never have called it a small scale event. It was a big event in my head, which I wanted it to be, the you know the the, the very best that it could be. And I think that's the other thing is like never, never like never settle for like you know just being okay. You know, always try to to maximize what you've got and. Like we, like in, in, and I'll never forget this. In 2018, like one of my favorite things was, and I, and I got this from, um, Claire Hatch. Actually, I was over, I was over at one of the the BBL championship, uh, the cup games in um, Birmingham in 20. I think it was the beginning of 2018, and um, I was over there and had seen like you know how they had put on the entertainment and stuff like that and. There were certain aspects of it that I was going like, this will fit with our crowd, this won't fit with our crowd. And the, the thing that I did notice the difference between, and I'm sure you did, like uh, uh, Northern Irish people, people from Ireland, you know, they really buy in their crowd. Like when when it, when it's time to cheer, it's time to cheer, it's time to enjoy themselves. And I noticed like there was a huge difference between that culturally, you know, within the, within the UK. And and then you know I, I kind of seen certain things like two two of my two of my most favourite people I suppose um, in Simon Hosanna and Tahir uh, Hasnet I hope I pronounced that right Hajit and uh, two fantastic guys who like whenever I first you know was talking to them I was like guys you know this is going to be like this going to be like your your dream audience because people will react to you you know like and really buy into it and. And I think like um, that was one of the, the the best experiences to see those guys coming over. But also on top of that, a really simple thing like, and it and it didn't cost as much as what people would think it is. But you know, like the pyrotechnics with fire and stuff like that. See stuff like that. It, you know, there are simple things that if you do it right, and with a little bit of funding or a little bit of money, you know, if you do it right. That's the wow factor. That's the bit that changes, you know, people's and gets people's attention. You know, at the start of a game, at the lineups, you know, that's what gets the players hyped up even more. That's what get the, the kids in the audience, you know, mm-hmm. talking about it far. And like, my, it's dead funny. My son Luca was two um, whenever we had the first um, classic. And uh, sorry, he was one. He was one when we had the first classic. He was two when we had the second one. And when he was one in the first one, it was just, uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was like, you know, he didn't really know what was. He was just excited, you know, like could see the things going around. But it, as he got a bit older and he was two, like he talks about it as, you know, daddy's show. And, you know, like, and the thing that he remembers the most is the fire. You know, he talks about the fire, you know. And if that's like a good thing for him as the, you know, the, the young child to kind of remember, 
always always talks about basketball always talks about the fire you know and uh, it turned out it was really lovely actually the Mars basketball team give him a, a a jersey you know like uh which he which he'll grow into like but it was a small uh, it was a small kid's jersey and um it, it ended up he was you know like he was on he was on camera you know in the highlights for like the cbs and stuff and i think those things are are you know it's those wee tiny details that you know whenever you buy into that like the not sound staff but the foam fingers and we ran out of foam fingers quicker than anything it was like we couldn't have bought enough of them, and yeah. um, people to this day send me messages saying, "You know, Mark, is there any more foam fingers? Can you get me those some?" And 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 they were so cool. Like to be fair, yeah. I actually I'm re- I'm raging. I don't have any myself. You know, like as a as a keepsake. Like, but yeah. um, I actually I had one, and and my 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 youngest son, who's just turned one, he actually was sitting. I found him sitting trying to eat it the other day. So. Um, it's it's now became a, a half a foam finger, you know. But um, I think uh, when you when you talk about uh, sort of trying to make whether it is a, what we'd say is a small community event the best that it could be and stuff. One of my personal bugbears with with British basketball as a whole is just is the small time thinking. Like I feel like our bar for quality is so low. It's like we're trying to do things good for British basketball rather than actually. You know, how does this compare to what the best in the world are doing at? And that's what I feel like when we're talking about the Belfast Classic. That's what it's on par with stuff that's happening in America. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's on par with, yeah. with, with world quality tournaments. And I, I feel like that's where the aspirations need to be for everything that we're doing. It's not, let's not try and make this, you know, let's not try and make this as good, good for British basketball by British basketball standards. Let's look at look, what, what are the world standards and that should be the target. And yeah, of course, it, there are challenges yeah. here and you might not reach that standard because, because we are in a unique environment and there are things that are specific to, to, to where we are. But actually... Uh, by by t- by aiming for that and targeting that, um, even if you don't quite reach it, you're going to be in a lot better situation than uh, than than you might otherwise be. You know, um, just just before we sort of wrap up on on the Belfast Classic stuff, kind of obviously the last event that happened was the last event that happened was 2018, right? 2018. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where what's where is it currently at? Like, what, you know, I know there was obviously the announcement around potentially going global with stuff. Of course, coronavirus has happened since. Like, what's the situation yeah. and what's what's potentially in the future for 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 the Belfast Classic? Yeah. Well, ironically, we actually had a it, it wasn't a Belfast Classic, but it was there was the, the tournament that was meant to happen in 2019 ended up happening in the states. Um, it was it was based in in uh, I think it was the in, in Florida actually it was, and then. Obviously, we, we, we were set up ready for 2020. We were really excited to return. We had, you know, all, all of the, all of the kind of the, the ducks in order and the, you know, the finance in place and all of those elements. And what happened was obviously Corona kicked in then. Um, and now, you know, our aim is, is that we are, um, we are planning obviously for the future. We're planning for, um, for 22 with a hope that we could, we can do something in 21 you know like um we kind of sit in a in a good spot obviously it's at the end of end of november start of december um which you know it, it really all depends on you know the, the 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 pandemic and the situation in general because with us it, it could be fine here in northern ireland but like in america there could be issues you know and and the travel and the transport and you know all of those things, and you know the vaccines and all of that kind of stuff needs to catch up with themselves. So, we're we are we are planning for the years ahead. That we are we are there's a lot of energy in the 22, 23, 24, and 25 
Um, the the idea, as you mentioned, you know, we had a we had an announcement um, with Inspire Sports just before um, just before the pandemic uh, kind of hit home. We, it was probably in about January there of last year, and uh, Gareth was over in in uh, the UAE in Dubai discussing it, and and the the aim is to to have something there as well in in the UAE, and you know, essentially, it's it's really just about us building for the future, but you know. It's not that we're definitely not on pause, but we're just in this kind of like holding pattern at the minute. And I think like all events are like that at the minute, you know, like for even yourself. And one of the things I would say just to kind of hit on that point that you said about, um, you know, small events needing to like raise raise their kind of bar and stuff. Um, the thing that I would say is that during this time, like so many people have been kind of disheartened massively. And this is a really good time for people to plan and actually look at those things where maybe they only have a small budget and go like, well, how can we make this better and how can we make this different and you know how can we how can we you know change our our mindset and I think that's the hardest thing for any human being to do is to kind of change the mindset and you know I, I, when a culture of um, I don't know some sometimes in basketball I'm not saying everybody's like this but sometimes in the basketball communities is is that we can beat ourselves up before we even start, you know, and that's a, that's a human trait. But I think it's really important that, you know, that we try to, you know, believe in ourselves that we can do better. We can always do better. And actually, I think we owe it to the game of basketball more than anything. Um, and the people who want to come through and, and actually learn off others. Like, um, I was, I was very lucky. I, I got the, um, I got the photograph. I was working with uh, you, you know, Niall McDermott, don't you? Um, yeah. uh, and basketball Ireland man, great dairy man. Has uh, been over and interviewed loads of people in the in the NBA UK stuff. But we were over in 2012, like literally a couple of days before I was getting married. Imagine telling your wife that one, like, or your future wife. You know, I have to go over here, and <laughs> uh, I was over with Niall, and I got the photograph. Um, the, uh, the the USA basketball team in Manchester and I was photographing them, interviewing them and stuff like that and, you know, got to see, like, you know, the standards that, you know, were at, that at, at an Olympic level, you know, that what were expected and, you know, was able to kind of, you know, when, I, when I'm at something, I'm taking everything in and it's like as many different opportunities as you can to learn you know, take those opportunities and and don't be afraid to excuse me. Like it's don't be afraid. I suppose like co- co- not copy, but like you know, it is copy. It's like you know, it's like essentially steal you know steal ideas and make them your own and turn them and give them a bit of flavor. And before you know it, you know you've got something really different. And I think that's the key is that during this time, especially with Inspires, is that we've looked at this as a really good opportunity to plan and to develop and um if you do that at those times you know you're 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 only going to get good rewards you know coming out the other side so the hope is is that you know we'll be back in belfast and the crowds will be i think people will appreciate you know people really will appreciate going out again now um people will appreciate buying a ticket people appreciate spending time with their families um they'll appreciate hugs they'll appreciate everything a hell of a lot more but uh, but specifically, I suppose that this gives everybody the opportunity to really, you know, whenever things settle down again, enjoy their lives a wee bit more, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So, yeah, fingers crossed for a return. Uh, I look forward to it. Hopefully, um, yeah. sooner, sooner rather than than later, ideally. So, other things on the agenda: um, documentaries. Uh, of course, that's kind of like one of your main backgrounds, if you if you want to call it that. And it was it was 2019 that you that the documentary launched uh, House of Hopler, which is about Dave Hopler. Was it, was it 2019? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, October October 2019. Yeah. October 2019. Um, obviously, Dave Hopler, legend, legendary shooting coach, legendary player, uh, who has roots uh, with, with you over there in Ireland. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few things that I kind of want want to touch on. Like one, obviously, what what made you decide to do a documentary about him? Like, uh, and then I guess two, like. How has it actually been like? I don't, I don't know sort of what the reception's been like since since it since it's gone live. Like how how what's the process been like? Where has it been shown? Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess how how it's all been panning out. Yeah, no, it's been going great actually. Well, it, it, I suppose like the pandemic has slowed down a lot of our other um, events. Like we were we were to have um, a premiere in the states, which we've we've put off until we can actually do that, and we can attend. Um, but there has been like. I suppose uh, initially with our initial launch at the end of 2019, it was it was huge. Like it done, it really it was received really well. I'm very very lucky from that point. Where you know what we actually did was we held it in um, in uh, a, a complex called the Devonies Complex, which used to be known as the Carry In, and that was actually a hub for basketball back in the day. But it's now been turned into like this big bar, like a big uh, ballroom. So, you know, again, you know, doing that premiere, I suppose what we, the, the idea that we had there was to, to try to bring the whole basketball community into that and all of the people who maybe had disconnected from basketball. Like that was, for me, that was a real important part of why I chose to do the documentary in the first place on Dave Hopla was because Dave is such a, a charismatic person in general. Anybody who he meets, People always remember him, but I think I think what's really lovely about Dave is, is that he's one of those kind of key people that I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't like him. So like everybody wanted to come and see him, and everybody wanted to you know chat with him. And I think if you think about it from his point of view, and this is what I always try to explain to him, and he's he's quite he's quite humble about it. To be fair, all of the people that he has taught to shoot. Like he has literally impacted nearly everybody on the on on in basketball Ireland across the UK across America. You know he worked with Jordan, he, he, he worked with Kobe, he worked with Ray Allen. You know, in actual fact, I really it's a really funny story. Like whenever I was um, with the Basketball Hall of Fame Belfast Classic, I got a massive opportunity to go to the Hall of Fame in, uh, induction and the actual uh, you know the 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 event essentially. And uh, I got the I got the, the the year where it was Ray Allen, Jason Kidd, um, who else was there? Uh, Kitty Smith, and uh, you know a, a load of fantastic uh, Steve Nice were all getting inducted. And um, what was really funny was I was kind of like you know just being that you know normal kind of person uh, on a on a it was the Saturday night of the event and things it kind of relaxed a bit. And I was just having a drink at the bar and I turned around and I bumped into Jason Kidd. And I just, you know, I, I just started laughing and says, oh, Jason, how's it going? You know, like, just like dead as if I knew him, like, you know, never met him before. And he says, we've got a mutual friend. And uh, I says, uh, Coach Dave Hopper. And he had been working with Dave in uh, when when he was on the Knicks. And his, his percentage for three points had went through the roof. And literally, I mean, like, this is the way it happened. It was like, 
I'm standing there, and, and I'm a massive fan of Ray Allen, like a huge fan of Ray Allen as a shooter. Grew up as a Sonics fan, always wanted to be that kind of player. And Ray Allen just stuck around. He goes, "You talking about Dave? You know, like and and I was like, yeah, yeah you know, like it was just. And all of a sudden, I was sit, we were sitting having a chat about Ireland, about basketball, about you know Dave, about and and I was like, like that would never have happened. I actually messaged Dave as we were standing there. And he and he um, he FaceTime or he, he like you know he Facebook timed or whatever you know like a, a, a kind of a video call and um, we're just like hey, you know it was one of those ones where it was like we couldn't hear a word he was saying he couldn't hear a word we were saying but it was like you know all connected and and I think like those things are really kind of um, that's an example of like how like a, a bo- like in my mind I'm still a, a young boy from West Belfast. Can end up at a an an you know an NBA uh, Hall of Fame event like that, and you have this person who is the the not even in the room and able to kind of connect everybody, and and it and it it, it shows the power I think of like someone like that in in Dave, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted it to be a documentary about his life and um until like at the same time tell an important journey. For basketball in that year, because for me, like I think that St. Gaul's basketball isn't around anymore, um, but it's around in the people, you know, because they're all in different clubs and you know they're in different communities, but the club itself isn't there. And I wanted to kind of, I suppose, just really give it its place in the in the history of of basketball in, in general in the in the country. And 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 I and and how you do that is by bringing Dave in, in together, you know, in, in that story. So it was, I think it was a a, a a good piece that intertwined everything. And essentially, like we had that particular premiere was fantastic. You know, we had um, Mark Woods, who's a who's a great, you know, always in England, but he's he's a he's a Belfast man, and and um, he was over and done a great great. He, he compared the whole night and. We had great stories. Um, we we, what I wanted to do was make it like you know a night where like the people, the audience could engage. Like it was like a fan engagement thing where everybody was just people were getting up and I, like my biggest regret is that I didn't I didn't have you talk about funds like I didn't have much money to do that project, but my biggest regret that night was employing someone to to video um, the crowds conversations. Because people were standing up and they were like, kind of, we did like a Q&A after it. And the stories that people were telling were documentaries in themselves. You know, like it was just unbelievable. And like, I think that's the culture that you were talking about earlier. You embrace that and you kind of take it from there. Uh, also with Dave, um, it was great to get him involved in the Belfast Classics as well. You know, he was a real draw. Um, you know, we tried to break a few of his world records while he was here. Um, which was a which was a good thing as well, and and I suppose now for the journey, what we're you know we, we've had it in a number of film festivals, which has done well in, but the the idea is then to get a distribution about it and 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 try and get it out for people to be able to just enjoy in their own homes and things like that. Um, for me, for me, it was really about that was the beginning of a series of stories that I wanted to tell in the in the basketball world and. Uh, while I was doing a lot of the research pieces for that, because like you have to remember, 
that was like a five-year project like you know a passion project that was built up thankfully i i got a small amount of money from ni screen to help me with the likes of archive footage and things like that then and that's where again talking about budgets maximize your budget you know like we i got a couple of really great people with you know dale gallagher fantastic guy from speed motion billy may marty stalker all people who love storytelling filmmaking bought into it and we're like look we're not going to let's put the budget that we have into getting great archive footage from the likes of utv bbc and also the nba footage as well which we got as well for it which was great so um yeah so the hope is is that we'll be able to announce like a distribution um relatively soon and and people can 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 watch it like you know because i think after the the um i think after the uh the last dance everybody's just craving more and more basketball documentaries there's a great one actually out um the it's on netflix now and it's the uh what's the one that's just been released with tony parker Parker, yeah it's it's that's a it's a great one as well so very interesting piece but obviously you know it's the last dance has been something that you know everybody's enjoyed like you know it's it's been great like i was gonna ask like how like this is purely a selfish question. Uh, as you know, I'm working on my own documentary project. It's funny you say that yours took five years because I'm I'm two years in and counting from when I first started filming. Um, and it's yeah, it's because it's on the side. It makes it very hard to be able to focus on it. And I've kind of said this yeah. year I really want to try to make a push to for it to get uh, ready to release towards the end of the year. Um, yeah. But when you're talking about distribution and sort of, you know, I'm I'm torn between when I think about obviously this is sort of to be really considered later down the line but i'm torn between obviously one you know making it accessible for as many people as possible you just stick it out for free on on youtube or vimeo or wherever it might be or two actually trying to go down the 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 route of you know film festivals getting it some acclaim or whatever and then trying to get some type of um potential i don't know whether it's a distribution rights deal where where it's shown on a a bigger platform to to give it an audience that is because i think the key with these stories is try to and it's exactly what the last dance did is you want it to transcend basketball like you want the story to be so good that it goes outside of basketball circles and someone that isn't into basketball can watch it and be like that's just an incredible story and i loved it right um but yeah i'd be interested to kind of hear about sort of your thoughts around around distribution and and like how you approach that uh and how you weigh up sort of i guess the route to take so, like for me, it's a brilliant question to be fair, and to be to, to totally understand, like everything has its own life, you know, its own journey. And I know that sounds a wee bit like tree huggy, but like the reality is, is that when you're making a documentary, everybody wants to to make sure that it goes. I used to be really, really concerned about where it's going to go, how it's going to get out there. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to change people's lives. I used to really, really like get in that so much so that. I, I wouldn't actually finish the project like like I was literally like this has to be perfect and the funny thing about it is Sam is that it took me to like I sent it to a couple of people I actually sent it to you as well and like when you send it out to people for like a, a wee screen a screener and you get feedback back and you start to kind of go do you know what like this isn't far off where it should be and and you start to really kind of understand that it's really about you know saying that the people that you trust as well is important you know because you, what you actually want is if there's anyone who's going to give you an honest opinion it's sound matter you know what i mean it's like that's what you want you know and and, and there's a number of people that i tr- I, I was probably lucky i could trust to, to do things like that but i suppose when it comes to that distribution 
part of it is it really it really you want as many people to see it as you can so take any opportunity for it to end up you know getting out there and distributed like as you know it's there's a there's a there's a there's a i don't i think like it's called NVTV, which is like a local Northern Irish um, channel here. Things like that, you know, where, you know, they, they would quite happily take your content. And at the minute, to be honest with you, like people are wanting content left, right and center because there is nothing, you know, if you have something that's new, they want it. You know, like if you have something that people haven't seen and it's of a good standard, they want it, you know. And I suppose like that's the thing. It's it's. Getting, getting the stuff out there and again we talked about it earlier on kissing a load of frogs and like sharing it like for me i have like a wee i i call it like the house of hopla you know the jam jar so to speak where i'll fund it i'll fund uh, like i'll do things like um recently we we released uh, some uh, monkey hats and um, jackets with sb sports and the idea of that is is that the money generated from them, it goes into paying for it going into more comp- more film uh, festivals, you know, because y- you have to find ways of generating income to help you be able to to share it and do those things as well. So, like, uh, for, for me, it's more a case of, it's like, do you remember the old school idea of, you, you would have seen it in a lot of, like, the, the rap movies back in the day where they, they, they took the mixtape and they shared it with the right individuals and they just made loads of copies. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like, you know, the, 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 the more opportunity that you get for eyes on it, the more chance that someone is going to turn around and say, do you know what, this would actually fit within our distribution package and, and we could do something with it. Also putting it in the right you know, in the right place for the audience that, that you want to, to, to see it is really important. You know, um, we were actually thinking, well, one of the thoughts was we had that documentary um, in the in the Belfast Classic events. We were actually talking with CBS at the time of where for, for the 2020 event there, we were going to put the House of Hoplet in between the, the live games, the half hour break. And it was going to be a good way to kind of give us more content that was already created, which we didn't have to spend a budget on, but we had something that we could we could tell a bigger story about basketball in, in, in Belfast and in Northern Ireland. So it's like trying to find those options and areas where you can maximize your, your audience, I suppose, you know, in general. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware of time. So the the, no. the, the other big thing that, that I do want to talk about before we, before we wrap up is um, FIBA Timeout Programme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you started 2019 was when you first enrolled. Yeah, in? end of 2019. Yeah, and I think I think our, our, our the goal is is that it'll finish um, at, uh, in August of this year. But depending because of the um, because of the COVID situation, um, it's been a bit different to what we signed up to, so to speak. You know. Yeah, and what, what like I guess for, to give context to people, like what exactly is it? Um, and I guess what are you doing as part of your your involvement in the program uh, to kind of what what's the expected outcomes on the other side? Yeah, so I, I suppose in, in the simplest terms is is that uh, the time out program is really about basketball players that have played uh, you know at a, at a at a at a good level within their sport and and I suppose they're you know they they really they're in a transition period. Um, going from playing basketball to uh, going into the business world and the FIBA timeout program is really like about 
identifying all the skills that you've learned in basketball and transitioning them into uh, a, a, an output in in the, the the real world, so to speak. Um, because in in basketball, we tend to like live day to day, you know, season to season, that kind of way, you know, from when you're playing the sport, but and, and you're focusing totally on yourself and the team. Whereas then after that, it's like, well, what do you what do you do after this? And ironically, like. Um, I was really lucky, you know. Burn O'Burn and Basketball Ireland put me forward. Uh, I, I had applied for it; they had put me forward. They, your your governing body has to nominate you to to move into the, the role. You have to do go through an interview process, and then essentially once you once you're selected, you're working with around. I think it's we have fifty one people from all over FIBA Europe, and with uh, with uh, a player from uh, Paraguay and a player from Africa as well, who's basically, you know, uh, we all kind of come together and uh, we, were, we were meant to physically come together in workshops and learn about leadership. And we, we also, there's a, a partnership with um, the, the uh, uh, Northumbria University, where we would do like a, a postgrad in leadership and management skills, you know, we, you get that as a an association part of it, and 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 also work with a lot of it's a lot of like professional development in general, which is really quite good. What what's really really interesting about it is is that you're you're kind of, it's almost like this big massive think tank where everybody comes together and you get an opportunity to 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 learn from each other and your other people's experiences in, in other countries. So when we, when we were talking earlier about, you know, you know, UK, Ireland, all of those situations, you know, people are learning, you know, like about, there, there's so many different elements that are, that are happening in the sport. You know, Belarus is having political troubles at the minute and, and their, and their basketball players were, you know, out trying to support and get things moving forward. And ironically, the, you know, a number of the basketball players ended up, you know, getting uh, imprisoned, you know, for for their for, for what they were trying to do. But they they were essentially protesting to try to help their. But it, it's you're learning so much about other other uh, cultures, other players. You know what the frameworks, the development structures that they put in place, all of those kind of things. And I think um, to to be able to do that, it would be it would be so much better to do it in person. But um, you know, we've been doing quite a lot of it online, and I suppose I I've actually got. Uh, uh, another role within it is um, the 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 project. You know, we we have fantastic um, people in charge of it with Fred Mila Turner, who's just absolutely amazing, and Elizabeth uh, Sibran. She basically those two ladies are the the, the the it's their brainchild. This whole idea of taking care of players coming out of basketball into the world of work and developing their their skills that they've learned kind of along the way and i was chatting with them when i was doing a lot of this stuff and they'd seen they'd seen a, a lot of the 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 films that had made and stuff like that and they'd said you know mark we'd be interested in if, if you want to do whatever you want like you know be, be creative and, and and see what you can come up with so it started off with just like a chat with the guys and, and we created a um 
it was actually like a stay home campaign um, at the time um, to, to try to get to know each other a bit more. And we did a, a, a really created a nice, um, you know, the beginnings, I suppose, on a, of a video story that has started to happen, turning into a documentary called Life After Basketball within the, the FIBA setup, the FIBA timeout setup and, and, and telling that journey. So we've got loads of people that they're out there kind of, they're following themselves on their phones and they're sending me messages. You know, it's like literally I've got, about 50 people saying me you know their their video diaries kind of and we're, we're building this story along the way but that's separate to what you normally do on the timeout project that's kind of something that that i just thought would be great for me as a, a passion project and what i've learned through that is what you have to do is because uh, it's a, an erasmus project uh, you have to identify something that you would like to try to help develop within the sport and for me, I really I, I'm passionate about three v three basketball and trying to get it up and running as a. It's one of those ones where I think you you know when you touched on it earlier on, three v three events need to be they need to be really hot like really look good, really have the energy around them. It can't just be like in my mind, if it if it is only just in a gym and that's the way you have to do it. I understand that, but at the same time you have to develop it, but. Because of the pandemic, that was all kind of shut down, and I had to direct my ideas into something else. So what I looked at was I created a. Um, we were in a discussion groups, and everyone contacts me and says, "Mark, can you edit a video for me? Can you take a photograph and edit it for me? Can you do this?" And what I realized was was that a lot of the people that I that are on this program, um, they're extremely professional basketball players, fantastic, but they've never really had. Uh, everyone feeds in their content and they put it out in their social channels and then what happens is is that whenever they're like they're not playing basketball anymore people just forget about them and it, what's quite you know difficult for them then is is that they've had they've built up this huge audience and they still need to kind of get the content out there and, and do things so I created this thing called the players playbook where essentially it's a it's a it's an online digital project where essentially they will come on and learn how to do things for themselves, like Photoshop, like uh, making edit and film and stuff like that. And it's just giving them simple wee skills that they that like like you know as well as anybody. You can do a lot of this stuff on your phone, and you can do it, and it can look quite well. But the idea around that is that I suppose to try to help those guys uh, feel more comfortable about promoting themselves and and eventually you know doing it in the in in, in a way in which that they're. The, the, it's hard when you take a step away from basketball. You know what I mean. At that level, especially, a lot of these guys, girls, have played like you know, amazing player. Um, there, she's she's an unbelievable woman, uh, Avina Malsi, uh, Avantia Malsi. She's like the most capped uh, Greece player. She's just her highlight reel is just ridiculous. If you get a chance, check it out. But like the transition from her going to being this like she's nickname or nickname is the Greek goddess like you know to go from the Greek goddess to into this transition of um you know working in society and, and trying to find like a, a a so-called normal job she's still got so much to give but she needs to understand and, and she's learning along the way and what that's what timeout does it helps that transition of players um it, uh, and helps you kind of move and find out exactly what your sweet spot is uh, great girl, Siobhan Pryor. She's actually um, she's actually on the program as well, and she's great, great, great fun, great, great ideas, great, you know, great at, at getting involved. And I think I suppose that's a good thing about us doing it digitally. You've had to like 
go out of your way to really get to know people um and and i think that's helped along the way as well to to kind of to to bring that to, to fruition like you know i suppose you know this one's completely unrelated to anything we just spoke about but I just no, it's something that i've literally got on my nose that i was meant to ask earlier and i i want to ask it before uh, before we wrap up um so it's a complete non segue uh, but um the potential for a bbl franchise in belfast now i know there has been rumblings and people have kind of spoken about it as a potential uh, option for years. Do you feel like that is something that could happen, that we could see? That it, do you know of a group or any group that might be trying to make it happen? Like, what do you think the uh, the possibilities of, of it ever happening? You you always try to ask me this question. You've always you've always you know, I, I thought I'd segwayed our way out of it so that we didn't <laughs> have to talk about it. Um, but look, for me, I would love to see it here. Like that's just me as a as a basketball fan. Whether or not the BBL are ready for it, whether or not the, the, the here is ready for it, you know, that's another thing. You know, there's certain infrastructures that everything needs put in place to to allow something like that to happen. Um, you know, partially that's one arm of it, but even just practically um from a point of view of your arena where you're going to be based um you know also like you know you tend to think of uh you know the the, the teams themselves traveling backwards and forth from you know it's an, an extra cost and expense and stuff like that but look at the end of the day i would love to i would love to see that happening i think it would be a really good progression of basketball uh, for for us here um there's a lot of kind of I would say intricacies that need to happen with the likes of working with Basketball Ireland as well and, and Basketball Northern Ireland, and then it, it, it's really the like the right person to lead on it. You know, uh, you know uh, personally, there's I know I know Gareth Maguire is a, a you know a, amazing person, a champion and stuff like this, and I know that he's been you know working in in, in his circles to to get an energy around it, and you know I, I think. I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if we seen seen it happening. You know, it definitely wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if I was involved in it. Um, <laughs> um, it also wouldn't surprise me if I wasn't involved, you know. But it's. Um, I definitely think that it's like anything. It's like, I suppose, like what I was talking about at the start of all of this, this is one of those this is one of those examples of, I think it would be a great opportunity at some point for it to happen. Um, and and I I would always have hoped that it would. It just it just needs the right kind of framework, you know, for it to to and the foundations is the most important thing to to put something like that in place, you know. I hope that answers that. You know, I yeah, could yeah. I could I could I could divert it completely in another direction, but on that. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so just just to wrap up, I guess the future. Like, what's the future looking like for you? Next three to five years. What what, what do you want to be focusing on? What do you want to um, make happen? Like, uh, what are you hoping to to sort of where do you want to be in the next three to five years? Well, that's a that's a massive question. Um, but I'll try to listen. I I think at this stage of the game, we're talking about firstly primarily being healthy and happy like that's the main thing you know um uh, I've, I've i've two beautiful boys which i'm getting to spend a bit of time with because i'm not getting to travel about or not traveling and not working as much obviously away from home which is which is great so being able to invest time in their lives i like listen i would love to see the progression of the belfast classic series uh, you know i really really want to see that myself i would love to see a lot more work kind of um uh, it's like Working on the FIBA Time Out program, it's like I've seen behind the curtain of FIBA now. 
And I'd seen behind the curtain of the NCAA and I really got to know that and, I, and, and I'm really enjoying that part of the, the journey with FIBA, seeing where that could take us. Um, I would love, I would love, and I'm working very hard to try to maybe get the Northern Irish 3v3 team in the Commonwealth. I would really love for that to happen. Um, uh, I suppose myself personally, I have a few documentary pieces I'd love to keep kind of pushing on and stuff like that. And, and, it, and I suppose really is, is like just just keep keep that kind of energy going where we can build a platform in basketball and, and develop the sport. For me here in, in this country, I've joined, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Basketball NI board, I've just joined the uh, uh, Sport NI forum board. Um, and I'm also, uh, I've, I've recently became an ambassador through Basketball Ireland for Aware NI, which helps with mental health. And uh, and really, that's for me. Like that's a big passion project in trying to uh, identify through our sport, through basketball, all ways that we can help every walk of life, every person to develop themselves in this situation. Especially when we're in it now. Unfortunately, I feel like it's kind of been a wee bit too late because we've went into a pandemic and everyone's now talking about their mental health and uh, you know but we should have been that should have been addressed much earlier so that whenever it came we had a framework in place and how to develop things so i would love to see something like that um you know be incorporated in the future of what we're doing because i think like it's so important for us to understand and you talked about it earlier on there about you know people people maybe not you know getting stuck and not really doing great events or something like that but what people forget is that everybody is a human being and they have their own struggles and what's you know sometimes when you put so much energy into something and you don't get the reward that you hope to get that has a massive impact on you and i think like learning how to deal with those things and develop that is 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 key so like for me like the future of that is being able to uh, hopefully in the next number of years be able to roll out some sort of like a a mental health strategy in the next number of years within the sport and and stuff like that as well um where i i would be hopeful we would have at least 10 outdoor basketball courts which are are, are really up to high standard in northern ireland um, I would love uh, my boys both to be dribbling with their rights and left hands and um, and maybe increase the size of the basket that we'll have out the back so that I can get a bit of one-on-one going with them. Um, but yeah, who knows, maybe another child, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, um, to, be, to be healthy, to be happy um, and to really just keep enjoying what I'm doing um, uh, with the people that I'm doing it with. Um, and to, to to always be open to to new opportunities, I think that would be that would be a really cool th- place to be in in three years' time. Perfect, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and of course, thank you so much for all the conversations over the years as well. The guidance and advice you've given me has been invaluable. I really appreciate um, our relationship, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping at some point I will see you soon in real life, and we can we can hug it out, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> catch up at some point in the future. But yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to that. Keep doing what you're doing, Sam. You're doing amazing work. Keep at it. Hey, podcast listener. 
that you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now, uh, open up your podcast player, go to the Hoops Fix podcast, you'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it and uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.